0: Oh, and welcome to The Animated Journey, a podcast featuring interviews with animation professionals working in television, film, and games. I'm your host, Angela Ensminger, and I'm excited to bring you episode 14, Interview with Pat Marconette, part two. In part two of our interview, Pat talks about what it was like working on Mr. Pickles, as well as what it was like working on Axe Cop, and the name of the creators of Axe Cop are Ethan Nicole and his younger brother is named Malachi during our interview pat and i were trying to remember ethan's last name also pat talks about what it's like working on sophia the first for disney television animation he discusses work-life balance and the importance of having your own personal projects and pat talks about some of the personal projects that he's currently working on i know that all of you out there will enjoy hearing what pat has to say so without further ado on with the
1: show mr pickles was done by Hot House. And it was a weird setup because they had already got their pilot approved, but their first pilot was a 15-minute pilot, and the network wanted to see if it would work as in a 22-minute format. So I worked on the 22-minute test, which ended up not going through. And so um, it was like two months. And when I was there, okay, when they hired me on, they said... Oh, you know, it's, it's going to be a two-month pilot, and then there'll probably be a month in between, and then we're already picked up. It's just a matter of is it going to be fifteen minute or is it going to be twenty-two minute, and there'll be a month in between. I'm like, okay, great, I, I can deal with that. And then, like, as the weeks came on, they'd come out and be like, so it's actually going to be more like three months, and then you know, a couple weeks later, oh, so really, it might be more like five. It's just it, it kept escalating, so I I aggressively started applying for things and putting my information out there and somebody mentioned ADHD that that they were looking or they had applied and I so I found their contact and I just sent my stuff over and I didn't hear anything and then two days after pickles ended and I, I had been working so much that I was I was sick and I was relieved to have some time to like recover got a call from them and they're like Oh, we want to send you a test. We need somebody. Oh, and by the way, it's 4th of July weekend, and we're hoping we can hire somebody before the end of the week, and we're not going to be here after Wednesday. So it was, <laughs> it was something crazy like that. And so I basically, I got the test. I stayed up all night. I did like half of it. I turned it in, and they hired me the next day. Oh my gosh.
0: <laughs> so that, that's amazing. I want to talk about that, because I think a lot of times people feel like you know they have to have... The whole test done. But I've heard that happen before, where people don't get a chance to finish, but they still get hired.
1: Most of the time, you, I'm looking at you, (laughs) audience, you should finish your test. (laughs) I think a lot of, most of the time, if you don't finish your test and they have a stack, they'll throw it out. But I sensed that the urgency, that they just need somebody now. And they need somebody who could show that they could do the, the skills and... They didn't, usually with a test, you'll get like a week. But it was like, we want to hire somebody in a couple days. So I I could tell that the sooner I could show them something, the better. Okay. And so it was kind of like, if I can do the whole test tonight, great. But uh, whatever I get done, I'll probably just send them. And luckily, Pickles was a flash show. And the show that I was working, you know, I get hired on at ADHD was a flash show. Because they already saw my design work for my portfolio. So I think it, to me, it was more they just wanted me to be able to prove I could do flash because I couldn't show them anything from the pilot so I did half the test and then I started on Monday <laughs>
0: wow that is amazing that's like a true Hollywood story right there I,
1: yeah I was I was all worried like oh what am I gonna do and I think I even the day before I reapplied for finance uh, for uh, uh, unemployment and then it was like go online just kidding <laughs> And I worked for ADHD on almost I think every one of their shows to oh, some wow. extent. I think I worked for them for 10 months. And it was mm-hmm. I'll say it was it was nice to have something that was somewhat steady because there's so many projects where it's like you're a couple months on, couple month off, a couple months off. And the, the pitch that they gave to me when they hired me was like, we have all this money from Fox. We're just going to produce all these, like, I don't know what the numbers are now, but it's something like Fox was going to pay for them to make 100 or 200 12-minute episodes of whatever show they ended up coming up with, like, because they had multiple shows. So, basically, it was like, well, if things work out, you could be here for years. Ooh. I'm like, well, that's great, because mm-hmm. I don't want to jump from pilot to pilot. So, that part was really cool. And some of the shows were better than others. I'd say X-Cop and Gullen. Were probably uh, my favorites, just stylistically. Axe Cop, based off of a comic book. I should know who. I don't. Know. Yeah, it's <laughs> um
0: totally... Ethan. That's Ethan. What? That's his last name. I've heard interviews with him. Yeah, because it that was guy, him. Yeah, it was him and his like five-year-old brother had yeah, made up the yeah. comic, and then yeah. they ended up making a television show out of it.
1: Yeah, that that was a fun <laughs> show. Just I thought the. The writing was interesting because it was like a somewhat violent, fast, you know, action paced, mm-hmm. um, cartoon, but it was in the mindset of a five-year-old. So yeah. it's like this 40 year old cop with an ax. Like he was thinking like a five-year-old's in terms of like what's good and what's bad. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's, they're the bad guys. Let's yeah. chop their heads off. Yeah. So it it's like kinda,
0: child it logic. It was innocent,
1: <laughs> innocently, overly violent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was fun. And then I think the first thing I worked on there was High School USA, which... I don't think it lasted very long, but it was enough to... I to
0: remember hearing in. about that one, because they, they had a... I remember when it came out, they had... Because I feel like they were... Their thing was they were going up against Adult Swim. It yeah. was like Fox's version of Adult Swim. Yeah. And so they're trying to think of, like, weird and crazy and cool and internet age type... Yeah. Programming.
1: Yeah. And... I don't really... I, I'm i not a big fan of just, in general, those types of shows. Like, I don't... I don't Particularly watch Adult Swim for the most part. So, all the while that I was at ADHD and that I was on Mr. Pickles, which is in the same, the same vein, I was working for VeggieTales. Oh wow! idea, and that that was why I wasn't sleeping because mm-hmm. I would I'd be at work all day doing Pickles or ADHD stuff, and then I'd go home and you know, I'd <laughs> be doing freelance for VeggieTales, doing backgrounds. And, wow! Uh, but that was really fun because that like stylistically resonated with like more what I wanted to do because it's basically just has a kind of just a fun cartoon feel it feels to me it feels like what animation is so that was that was challenging (laughs) how how
0: was that just as a mind shift going from that type of show to another because those are very those are very different types of shows in terms of tone and style and writing and the ideas behind that so was there anything you had to do just to get yourself in the mindset of okay now i'm working on basically like you know this this very nice like christian show about vegetables and now i'm working (laughs) on this show with this guy with an axe murdering people like how did how were you able to separate all of that out so you could do your best work for both
1: well to be honest all my passion was on veggie tales okay and so like i felt like i gave that my best focus and then when I was at work and tired it was just like ah whatever like like get the do, try, do the job try to get stuff approved but they weren't looking for the best stuff ever they wanted stuff quick and so it kind of worked I, I couldn't do that now
0: oh, okay how many hours were you working like total yeah do you do you even do you know like know, how many well, hours a week you were working since you're working on vegetables
1: as at that time, was all DVDs, and so it would be like tons and tons of work and then no work. And so it was more just like little sprints. So he would be like, I'd get the email from the producer and be like, All right, let's do this. <laughs> it's it's going to be a long couple weeks. All right. So, <laughs> and then the times where I wasn't work for, working for them, then I could maybe work a little extra to try to like catch up with day job. But, an ADHD was just, just normal, like, ideally, like, 10 to 7 type deal.
0: That's not too bad. And then, since you were freelancing, like, did you have to let them know that you were freelancing, or did you have to let VeggieTales know that you were working, or because the shows are so different, did it not really matter?
1: I didn't tell ADHD. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I, the way that I looked at it is that uh, <laughs> at, at a lot of those places you're considered freelance. Like, how they pay you is basically as a freelancer. So...
0: <laughs> so it was just a bunch of... Just vainly just freelance contract work. Yeah, that's, that's
1: kind of how I looked at it.
0: Okay. And how did you get the job for Veggie Tales?
1: Oh, that... Okay, that goes back to when I was working in the video game company, which was Blabalon, if I didn't mention it before. Um, which I should also say, like... It was actually a lot of fun. It was a startup. It was basically two... Two people, Ed and Ro, and me, for a long time. And there was a programmer on and off. But it was like, it was such a small team that it was kind of fun to try to create everything. Like, I even programmed at one point, because the programmer quit. And I was worried that the company was going to fold. And so I started programming. You're <laughs> was like, hey, like,
0: hey, I can save this. I can
1: program. I shouldn't I shouldn't call it programming. It was, it was more like scripting. Okay. And it, it was... It was pretty simple. Like if if you understand if you have a programming like fundamental knowledge of how programs work, I guess I'd say you could kind of pick up how how you would script something mm-hmm. to do certain things. So we did like jungling games and stuff. And so um, so yeah. So then that that <laughs> we're getting really we're derailing. But then that <laughs> goes back to learning how to program when I was little because you know my dad was really into it. Paid off, cause, yeah, yeah. I see that. <laughs> I, you know, it's like,
0: hey, I know how to do this. I can save the company. I can yeah. keep this afloat. And then I
1: got sick of it because <laughs> then it became part of the job. And it's oh, like, no. no, it was fun. It's like I'm doing something extra to help out. But now that it's just what I do, I want to do art. <laughs>
0: right. It's like, no, um, you guys need to hire someone to do this so I can continue doing what I was doing yeah,
1: before. <laughs> exactly. So, but, but while I was while I was there, I was able to take classes, and one of the classes was a CGMA class doing environment design with Phil Demetriades. I'm I'm butchering his name, I can never say his last name. Anyways, but like we I could just during the class, like we really kinda clicked and he really liked my stuff. Towards the end of the class he mm-hmm. started emailing me. He's like so I hope it's all right, but I sent you your portfolio to, you know, s- some of my friends who said they were looking for somebody. I'm oh, like, cool. Oh, it's fine, buddy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you. It's like, I greatly appreciate and that.
1: <laughs> there was a, and the ones during the class didn't work out. And then I met up with him a little while after the class when the, the game company started to, to fold. And um, he's like, are you open to freelance? I'm like, yeah, of course. He's like, so I'm no longer able to do VeggieTales and I want to recommend you. Um, like, yeah, <laughs> and that's kind of <laughs> how it happened. He sent an email, and they, they talked to me, and I started doing work for them. That's great. So.
0: <laughs> no, that's really good. I mean, that just shows just, you know, do good work. Yeah. Like, do good work and be kind to people.
1: Yeah, and when you take online classes, try to take them seriously because you're working with people who are working in the industry a lot, or teachers are oft- oftentimes are working in the industry, and they – they know about jobs popping up. So I've heard a lot of people getting jobs off of online classes or like the uh, concept design academy. Oh yeah. A lot of the teachers I think almost use it just as a way to like try to grab new talent.
0: That is so true. Like I met someone the other day that he got his mm-hmm. job at a cartoon network, I think through concept design academy. So okay, yeah. just all sorts of things can happen.
1: Yeah. And then I worked with them while I was doing the other jobs, Intel, Intel. I did five DVDs with them, and then I was at Warner Brothers, Okay. and it was like, oh, this I need to really focus on this, so I had to kind of stop doing work with them.
0: <laughs> what were you doing for Warner Brothers?
1: I worked on Be Cool Scooby-Doo oh, <laughs> for a short time, <laughs> and that was, I was at ADHD, and a friend was a character designer on High School USA with me, and we we, we got along pretty good. And he got pulled off to do uh, character design on Be Cool mm-hmm. Scooby-Doo. Some, like, early early development stuff. It looks way different now. But um, the early development stuff. And so when they started to corrupt, they asked, I guess they said they needed a background designer. And he's like, hey, I'm like, why don't you talk to this guy? So that's how I got to Warner Brothers. Oh, great. <laughs> and I was there for four or five months. But it got me in the union, so I was able to pay my exorbitant initiation fee <laughs> and get that, get, get that started. But being on it, uh, I think, led to, to Disney. I don't think I ever would have had a shot at Disney without having been at Warner Brothers, just from the, the work I did.
0: Okay, so at Warner Brothers, and then that led to Disney. And did that lead to Disney just from the sense of, the quality of work that you were now able to do or the contacts that you were able to make, or the fact that you were in the union, like what was it that that then propelled you to Disney?
1: So, well, they were going to go on a partial hiatus where they were going to like just have a skeleton crew and they needed to catch up with writing. So they were going to have to lay off half the crew. And so I needed to find something else. And um, I started asking around, And a friend that I actually interned with at, uh, at Nickelodeon, he asked around for me and then he talked to another intern that I also interned with. He was a painter, he's a painter on Sophia the first, Brad Sutton. And he's like, oh yeah, they're the, the layout designer just left. We need somebody like, why don't you send me your stuff? And I'll, I'll forward it to the producer. (laughs) <laughs> That's kind of how that
0: happened, and that is how you got to where you are today.
1: Yeah, so it was it was another really fast one where it was um, I heard about the, the the job, I sent my stuff that night, and then like within a day or two, they set up an interview and they hired me after the inter- during the end of the interview. It was oh, like, wow! It was like okay, so can you come in on? tuesday you know that's amazing they're like like, so you're done with warner brothers after today right all right well could you come in on monday Ah, let's 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 make it tuesday let's give them an extra day
0: (laughs) (laughs) that is very impressive all right so now you're on sophia the first yes so what is what has that experience been like so
1: i've been on sophia the first for uh almost a year and a half i want to say and that's been an amazing experience. <laughs> I get to draw castles, castles, and and buildings, and really highly detailed stuff. And we just did an episode with with Olaf. So they like sometimes we get to do crossover type stuff. So at this point, it's like a dream come true. Like I did an episode that's kind of a almost a crossover with Little Mermaid. Oh, so that's it's like, cool. It's like I'm. I'm able to directly be inspired by all these movies that I grew up loving. And then it's like, oh, we want the background to look like that. It's like, yes. (laughs) And it's also, uh, the crew on that show are extremely talented. Like, there's a lot of people who have been in the industry a long time. So they have tons of experience to bring to it. And, I mean, not only do you learn things just from just from hearing things or having people point things out, but they're just, they're, they're pushing the quality past what I've ever experienced before, where you're always trying to like push yourself to try to measure up to what they're doing, which also makes it probably the hardest show I've ever worked on because you're constantly, I'm constantly like, oh, this isn't good enough. This isn't good enough yet. I need to, I need to push this. I need to do this faster. You know, I need to come up with better ideas. But I, I think I've I've improved a ton from being on the show more than any other show I've been on, or job, or even school, probably.
0: Yeah, I bet. I bet indeed. And uh, what's the what's the time frame like? Like, how much time do you get to work on you know, like the different backgrounds and layouts that you're doing?
1: It really varies. The importance of the episode or the importance of the shot. Sometimes they'll want us to do like three or four backgrounds a week. But then sometimes we'll be working on this huge, this huge environment that's just, it's going to take most of the week or they need it to be really detailed or they're not totally sure what they want. So I end up doing tons and tons of reps before we get to a place where they tell me to go ahead and take it to a finish.
0: That's good. And I'm curious too. So now at this point, you've had a wealth of experience. You've worked at a lot of different companies some of them really good, some of them kind of okay, you know, like, and so what are some of the keys that you've taken away from all the different places where you've worked?
1: Oh, that's a hard question. Well, you know, I try to, every place I work, I try to try to be positive, even if I don't like the style or I don't like the project, like, try to take something away from it. At ADHD, I remember being on Axe Cop and really trying to develop a system, better system for doing layouts in Photoshop. So I came up with this whole system of like using smart objects and effects layers and like just little shortcuts that I come up with because I had the time to just experiment because Mm -hmm. the quality didn't, didn't matter as much. And then Warner Brothers was really cool because it was just it was a huge jump in caliber. It it was really the first job I think where at least at the beginning when I started, we were still kind of in almost like a development stage where we didn't quite know the style we were going for. So there was a lot of kind of experimenting and really pushing the designs. And so just, I, I did a couple backgrounds, just like trying to push myself past my limits and my, uh, my wrists were hurting after work because I, I wasn't used to trying to produce that kind of work before. And so that was a good takeaway of like just upping the quality. And then, Sophia, my biggest takeaway from Sophia. I think Sophia's taught me how to finish a background. Like I showed you some of them. Um, I always struggled with cleaning up digital backgrounds. They either feel too rough or they're so clean that they feel like plasticky and they don't they don't feel natural. And I think Sophia I kind of learned how to get the finished look that feels really clean where you could model from it, but it doesn't feel too fake if that makes sense. I know
0: what you mean. Just have it have it look natural without it looking like it's not done. Yeah. And not, you know, unpolished.
1: Yeah, and they encourage <laughs> us heavily to reference everything we do and try to come up with the best reference for for everything, the best designs for everything and to really take our time to make it, to push the quality. Most shows I've been on I mean including Warner Brothers after the initial development stage it was just like we need to get the stuff done and you end up, things tend to get more generic and for some shows, they want that. Actually most shows I've been on they want that because they want it to be about the characters and the story. And if it's, if it's a simpler style of comedy, if the backgrounds are too elaborate, it'll just kind of throw it away, throw it off.
0: People get distracted where they're just looking more at what's happening behind the characters yeah, as exactly. opposed to... I heard that once. I, I don't remember if it was on um, Hey Arnold, but it was on some show where they had to do... They were walking past a store or different oh. billboards, and they made the billboards really, really funny. But they were so funny that people weren't listening to what, I think it was Hey Arnold, like what Arnold and Gerald were saying. Yeah. They were just reading the back and just going, wait, what? What (laughs) is that back there? And so it was almost distracting from the rest of the story.
1: Yeah. And I mean, in terms of the final product, that's totally the right way to go. But in terms of me wanting to draw really really Mm -hmm. cool, fancy backgrounds... I don't wanna think about that. <laughs> yeah. I just I wanna make the backgrounds as as awesome as I can. So and Sophia I think is a shower have been able to do that. And we get to do tonal passes on stuff, which is really cool. Most most layout jobs, you don't touch tone. It's all done by the painters. But we get to do a tonal pass, which sometimes they follow, sometimes they don't, but it's it's just fun to do it. And you get the layouts that we get are just they make really nice pieces because it's all tonal, you know.
0: Yeah, so it sounds like you just get a wide variety of different things, and you don't have to you don't have to hold yourself back and be like, "I can make this elaborate as I want to." You just yeah go for it.
1: Yeah, we get notes like, "Can we make this more interesting?" So instead of simplify it, can we do this three times as fast? You know?
0: <laughs> can you just make this a regular square? Yeah, oh, man, okay. <laughs>
1: and I mean, and it needs to have that because it's it needs to live within the Disney world. And also because it's a CG show, my observation with CG shows, this is the first one I've been on. Well, I guess Veggie Tales too. But it it feels like the more detail they can put into the model, the more interesting it, it'll come out as being. Like I think shows that are 2D, uh, you can do a lot of painterly stuff or you can have a cool texture and stuff. But when it's a built set, if it's too simple, a lot of times the layout will look great. But when it's built, it just... It feels sterile. So I found with Sophia, the ones I think are the most impressive are the ones, like when they're mo- when they're modeled, are the ones with just lots of thought put into the, the architectural details to make it feel believable and having patterns on everything. And, you know, like you would actually see if you were walking through a palace or a castle, like think about all the little details.
0: Giving it that air of realism of this could actually exist.
1: Yeah.
0: It makes a lot of sense. What advice would you give yourself and also students now that you've had this breadth of experience and you've learned all these different things that, you know, some of them you learned in school, but a lot of it you've learned on the job. What are some takeaways that you have for students, you know, coming out of school or maybe people that are starting their first or second job?
1: Focus your portfolio. I'm sure people hear that a lot. I I heard it too. A lot of times you can't. With the, how the classes are set up, it's really hard to focus your stuff because they don't want to—they don't want to limit you and not have you discover something that you didn't know that you liked. That—that that sounds like a jumble of words.
0: No, no, I totally but, I understand what you're saying. Because I like—I
1: <laughs> think I felt like that a little bit. With I thought I wanted to do color keys, but Bunny kind of pushed me into doing more cleaned up layout designs, and in result, I realized I really liked it. And I think if I would have just been given free reign, I don't know if I would have done that. So I think that's kind of why a lot of these college programs, you feel like you have to do a little of everything and you're like, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to animate, <laughs> you know, I, don't, I don't want to do these. But at the same time you graduate with a, kind of a smorgasbord of a portfolio. And when you apply with that, it looks like a smorgasbord of a portfolio. It's like, well, what do they want to do? Am I supposed to decide?
0: Oh, so it's a a thing of you need to know so that they know what to hire you for. Yeah. as You don't want to go in and just say, I can do everything because then the response will be
1: okay. And you probably can't. Some people are amazing, but most people can't do everything well. So I think your best bet is just finding the things that you like and that you're good at and developing a whole portfolio towards that.
0: That makes a lot of sense. And so now I want to ask you about, you have your own personal projects that oh, you're yes. working on. So I want to talk about those because you have them all on your, your Tumblr and your site and they're <laughs> amazing looking. So Thank tell you. us about that.
1: Okay. So first off, when I when people oftentimes find out that I work full time and then and I have a family and do my own book projects that I'm insane, but really it's, <laughs> it's almost like for mental sanity because... I need to do something that's just mine. If I just do work, even if I like the job, which I, I really like Sophia, I, you feel like you never escape. And I think it's easier to get caught up in the drama because your only creative outlet is what you're doing at work. So when I, f- I find that if I do my own projects, it definitely helps where I don't have to get as, I don't have to get, I don't have to get caught up in, in drama because it's like, well, oh, this is what you want? Okay, well, it's it's not exactly what I would have done, but it's your show. Here you go. Okay. And then when I get home, I direct myself.
0: Do good work, but you have to observe the director's vision. Ultimately, it's their vision. It's not, this is my vision for the show. Well, that's, I mean, it's good to have an opinion,
1: you know,
0: but ultimately, they get final say.
1: Yeah, exactly. And there's been times where there's like, I'll be referencing for a a scene and I'm like that would be so cool it won't work for this for what they want but that would be so cool and then I'll go home and be inspired on you know on my own work on that so that that on the table I'm not (laughs) so so it's it's for my my mental health because if I don't do stuff on the side I start getting anxious and I think more irritated with with work so I almost started this book project as just Something that I would I would know what to to work on when I wanted to work because I think in the past it was like I want to do a project but I don't know what and I'd spend all my time just spinning my wheels trying to come up with ideas and sometimes it's like I only have an hour or two to spend and now it's gone and so I'd spend most of my time not working and thinking about what I want to work on and so I'm like so I wanted to come up with a project that be like well there's going to be all these things I can do have it be flexible so that if I come if I get inspired by something I can incorporated into the project, and and then at the end of the day hopefully have enough things to put together into, into a book to show people, and it feels like a cohesive body of work for this period of time that looks different than the stuff that I do for, for Disney or for Warner Brothers, because I started it when I was at Warner Brothers. And so what it is, is it's the adventures of Emmy and Oreo, and Emmy is my three-year-old daughter. And Oreo is my one of my cats, and so they go on adventures and you know spooky houses and castles and <laughs> just anywhere that I happen to be in, inspired by at the time. I think I've done eleven of them now, and it's been a lot of fun.
0: So you've done eleven different illustrations. So at what point will you say, "All right, now it is done and it is ready to be published," or have you already started?
1: to publish it and sell it i'm probably going to cap it at 12 and then i'm going to have b-side sketches that correspond to the illustrations and have little write-ups and descriptions of what's going on and then put that into a book and i don't know what i'm going to do with it i don't really care it's kind of like just the act of doing it and i think it'll also be cool to have a book that's about my daughter when she's older she can appreciate
0: has she, um, has she seen? So oh, yeah, she, use, she
1: likes it now. Yeah. Oh, she but likes. But I don't it. think she she doesn't quite understand the work that comes <laughs> into it. Is
0: she just like, hey, this is you and this is Oreo? was like, oh, that's great.
1: Yeah, and it has you know it has ghosts and monsters and zombies and just fun things. <laughs> yeah, anything that that interests me, I put in there. That's that's
0: smart, and that's good that you have your own your own projects I think some from what I've been hearing from people is it can be tough to work you know go to work and then come home and then also draw you know Mm -hmm. sometimes there's just that there's because there's a lot of energy that goes into that and so sometimes that can be kind of hard to be like okay I've been drawing all day now I'm gonna come home and draw (laughs) so that's that's really great that you realize no this is this is not only fun but it's also helpful to me yeah like it like feeds my own soul but it also helps me be a better you know co-worker at work but it's also just my own personal project i can do whatever i want
1: yeah exactly and it seems like people are getting jobs from their personal work a lot now so that's that's a, definitely a big element is having stuff that's that's just mine that's it's not oh the style of their project it's like oh well, no this is this is what i want to draw you know
0: well plus you don't have to worry about you don't have to worry about ndas you don't have to worry <laughs> yeah. about you know because i've talked to people where you know they worked on something and it was great. And then the project gets shelved. Oh, or it yeah. never happens. And then they, they can't ever show it. Because yeah, it was really. never anything. It never got finished. So yeah. they have this great work that no one can see.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: this is something where you can show however much or however little of this you want.
1: Yeah. You know, it's your own yeah.
0: personal project.
1: And then after this book is assembled, I already written the next... So this this story isn't written in a sequential way. It's more of a little moments, little vignettes of Emmy and Ori on their adventures. Maybe like a travel travel journal. <laughs> <laughs> and the, But the next project I want to do is same characters, same types of environments, but it's actually a sequential storyline that I've written out. So <laughs> okay. that, that'll be the next thing. <laughs> That's
0: excellent. And do you have advice too for people that, because you're working and you have a personal project and you have a family, do you have any advice for people that are embarking On that journey, too, where they're, you know, they're starting to work and starting to do personal projects and have a family and trying to balance out all that, all those different activities.
1: It helps if you like working. It helps (laughs) if you like traveling.
0: Enjoy your job.
1: I've always been kind of borderline workaholic where I just like doing it and if I don't do it, I start thinking too much. (laughs) (laughs) Things? I don't know yeah
0: I, I hear what you're saying you're the kind of person where you just the more you have to do the better you are with your own yeah. time
1: yeah
0: yeah I know that feeling the worst thing I can have is not have anything to do because then Netflix takes over oh,
1: and yeah. then <laughs> after a week it's like
0: I've done nothing but I'm so caught up on television
1: and I mean I I like being home too like mm-hmm. I don't really have a huge social life I'm married so I'm not going to be out, out and about every night anyways, mm-hmm. but like, I like being home. I like working. I like staying up late doing, working on projects. So that kind of lends itself to that. I have friends who are like, I have millions of friends and they're out all the time. And I don't know if it would <laughs> if it works as well for, for them, but everybody's different. So I, 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 I guess it's not a struggle for me in terms of like, I want something to do. And it helps to have a project that's thought through enough where it just gives me something to do and I want something to do, okay. if, that, if that makes sense. That it's makes not sense. Like, I'm not beating myself up to just motivate myself to do it. It's more just like, I want to do something and, oh, I have this project. I don't have to think about it.
0: So from everything we talked about, is there anything that you would like to add to the people out there or <laughs> any, any questions that I didn't ask where you feel like, oh, but I really want to talk about this?
1: You can learn how to draw. <laughs> I, when I went to art school at San Jose, I really couldn't draw very well. i I grunt up sketching stuff here and there, but it wasn't anything remarkable. And just through mileage and working hard, and you eventually pick things up. <laughs> so it's
0: not impossible.
1: Yeah, it's not impossible. You always are going to be battling against people who just have a natural talent. I know, I feel like there's a lot of people who say that there's no such thing as talent. I don't believe in that. Mm. I, I think there's there's people who just, the way that I look at it is people who are good at math. Certain people's brains are wired better for certain things, and they're gonna it's just going to come easier to them. It, yeah, it helps if you enjoy it, you're going to do it more, you're going to be better at it. But I think it goes beyond that, or just certain concepts. Like, I've heard stories about people who hardly ever drew, and then they just decide they wanted to do it and they started doing it, and within five years they were, like, amazing. So, I definitely think there is an element of just talent, but I think for most people, it's just if you like it, you're going to do it, and you're going to if you really want to do it and are passionate about it, you're going to work harder at it. And I think if anybody really, really wants to do it, and they have a passion for it, they probably can do it if they work hard enough. And wait long enough, you know, put in enough years. But that's not to say that everybody should do it. I know a lot of people who like it as a hobby and they go through art school and they realize that they don't actually enjoy doing it as much as somebody who wants to, you know, live and breathe it, if that makes sense. (laughs) No, that makes
0: perfect sense. And I, I like what you said about there is talent, but it's not enough. Just there is talent and it's good to have talent, but you also have to practice yeah. And you have to have the desire to practice. And a lot of times, it's talent plus that desire plus practice. And yeah. you have to put in a lot of practice.
1: Yeah. I when I was an intern at DreamWorks, I can't remember the guy, but there was this guy who was like, he got hired there when he was like 19 Whoa. or something ridiculous. And even if I put in 19 years <laughs> after that point, I don't know if I could ever get to that point. Just... There's that there's always gonna be that element of people, but there's lots of jobs. And you don't have to be that, you know, fraction of a percentage of people who just everything just really makes sense to them. You can work hard. That's not to say there's also gonna be a percentage of people who no matter how hard they want it, it's just not gonna make sense to them. I mean, probably the same way people are with math. I don't know why you want it, but <laughs> you know, I'm sure there's people who just struggle with it and it just never they just they can't wrap their head around it and i've come across people like that too where you almost want to pull them aside and be like you've spent all this money you've given a good shot like you should step back and really ask yourself is this worth dropping another hundred thousand dollars into or is there something that i'm better suited for so
0: that's a good question to ask and i think maybe sometimes people are afraid of the answer well don't
1: don't ask too soon But give yourself a chance. But if you're coming towards the end of college and you can't, you still can't draw worth anything, you're probably not going to get to the level of, (laughs) that you may want to strive for. So I don't know. That's a tough one though, because you don't want to shatter somebody's dreams. Yeah.
0: Give yourself the opportunity. Yeah. Give yourself the opportunity. And if... I, I, maybe it's more of an internal thing, too. Only you know how much time you should really spend on your dream and your pursuit. Because I think everyone has that moment of, I'm never going to make it. I'm yeah. never going to get in the uh-huh. industry. Everybody... I, I
1: still have that.
0: <laughs> See, and that that's the thing. You're not the first person I've talked to who you are doing a job that you enjoy and that you love and that you're good at. And you still have, I think that's a natural thing, that uh-huh. feeling of... I'm here. Why am I here? Oh my gosh, can I can I do this next assignment? But I think there's the difference between a natural, everyone gets discouraged, everyone wonders if they're going to be okay, versus you put in a lot of time and you're getting, you're just not getting there. And yeah. I, I think it's okay, like you said, to step back and just say, okay, what else would I like to do? And I feel like in at least in the United States, that's almost a question that we're not allowed to ask ourselves. It's it's this thing of, no, every, yeah, like you're quitting, like everyone can become presidents (laughs) of the United States. The truth is, no, not everyone's going to be that, but not everyone needs to be that. And not everybody wants to be that. I do believe that there is, everyone is uniquely suited for something.
1: And you might realize that you like something. Maybe maybe you'll never, you're never going to be able to draw or animate. To where you'd be happy with your work, but you're happy to be on the production side and mm-hmm. lend a hand to a production and just be in that environment. I knew people like that. I was not like that mm-hmm. when I was interning and I was doing production internships. My takeaway was, I don't want to do production. I respect people who can do it, but it's just not my mindset. I, answering phones and talking to other departments. And, Arguing with with other coordinators over time slots for conferences, like that, the idea of that drives me crazy. I can't. I, yeah, I, and it's that,
0: definitely a skill. It's definitely its yeah. own its own set of skills and rules and things you have to yeah, be just, able to just do. Just the
1: idea of that kind of job, my blood starts boiling, <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, it's like i <laughs> like, 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 no, 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 no. <laughs> um, something else I should mention is about the self-doubting is i definitely do that a lot even now and in school it was really bad because i at least now it's my friends can be like oh shut up like (laughs) come on you're at disney you've been there like all this time obviously you wouldn't be there you know blah 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 but when you're in school you don't have that and so what i started doing is just always listening to music and it kind of Blocks. This is going to make me sound like I'm crazy, but no, it, kinda, it does. It kind of blocks out the voices a little bit, and I still do that. But now, now I do audiobooks. But to show you how much I do it, just last year I went through 75 audiobooks.
0: Wow, that's <laughs> impressive.
1: So I'm always, I'm always listening to books or music when I'm working, especially at work. And sometimes we will get in a zone where I just want silence. But there's a lot of times where. I'll be in that zone of silence, and I'll start double-guessing everything I'm drawing, and I, I kind of step out step out of my frame of mind for a second and go, wait a second, no. And I'll just, you know, <laughs> I don't need that. <laughs> yeah. and I'll, I'll put on music or, or whatever it is to, to distract you just enough where you're not second-guessing everything you do. I completely agree with that, and I did the
0: exact same thing. Especially because you're in lab, or you're at home for hours Mm -hmm. on end just drawing by yourself and sometimes you know there are other people in lab and occasionally you can talk to people but you can't talk to people the entire time that you're working you have to focus and so there was a constant stream of music and then sermons and then podcasts (laughs) for hours because there would be days where you know you're in lab for like 10 or 12 hours or you're at home for like 10 or 12 hours Mm -hmm. and Sometimes there are those moments and those times where you do need the silence, but other times it's like, nah, you just have to be able to just focus on your work without thinking of doubts, or where am I, what's going to happen tomorrow, Or what's mm-hmm. going to happen in the future, or I have to, you know, go take my car in today, or do this, and it's like, no, you just have to be able to tune all that
1: out. Yeah, and then you're, at least with the audiobooks, you're learning a lot. You know, if it's fictional stuff, you're learning just about, like, like all I found some of the books I read. I can't even remember which ones, but, like, there'll be little pieces. Like, oh, that's kind of an interesting idea, and that'll inspire me on my own projects on a course to take or nonfiction stuff. It's, like, I'll learn about something through reading, and then I'm able to incorporate it into my work somehow.
0: Or just, like, so, human behavior, or you hear really funny jokes, and you're like, yeah. oh, that's an interesting way to think about this, or I've never heard of this place, or, oh, I should, I should look that up. That'd be good for reference, or... Mm-hmm. That's a weird personality quirk. I wonder if I should put that in the story some kind of way.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: No, that's a good way to do it. I I fully endorse that.
1: And also, I mean, it helps to have people, friends and family that support you.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Who are like, why are you doing this? No, we're glad that you're doing this. We want to see your name in the credits. Keep going.
1: Yes, and I mean, especially when you're starting out, jobs are can be mm-hmm. rocky. So I know my wife, Crystal, is. <laughs> Was pretty understanding, considering there were periods where I just I was doing freelance, making sometimes I might make a thousand dollars in a month or or less, with the hope of (laughs) doing something better in the future. And
0: that sounds like that's huge. Just having somebody there that they know your dream, they understand your dream, and they support your dream. Especially if they're not in the is she in the industry? She's not in the industry. Yeah, so you know, so she's doing. Science, like I imagine, like scientific research, mm. and that type of thing. So that's great that you support her and she supports you. You know, yeah. and you mentioned your family too. Like when your family found out that you wanted to do animation, what was their reaction? Were they like, "We don't, hey, that's cool. You know, we don't do that, but you want to do that? That's great. Like, how did yeah. they take that?
1: They thought it was a good, sounded like a great hobby. Oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> they really wanted me to do engineering, programming stuff along that lines at one point they they kind of were pressuring me into well you could do programming like art type environment maybe you're programming for a, a company that makes 3d tools um, something like that or so, doing
0: more of the D yeah. type stuff for a company
1: i mean i don't really fault them because you know you just want your kids to have, have jobs and not be not be on the streets uh-huh. starving artists so I, I get it now. I don't. At the time I didn't. <laughs> at the time I'm like, oh, they they're telling me what I can't do. But I just did anyways because I'm stubborn. It probably pushed me harder to mm-hmm. really want to do art. The mm-hmm. fact that somebody told me I shouldn't. <laughs>
0: you know, it's funny. I've met a lot of people that their background is engineering and or science or both, and that was their family's path. Everyone in their family was doing engineering or doing science, and they were the first one who said, no, I want to work in <laughs> animation. And their families all went where is this coming from? <laughs> what? Why? And, you know, eventually they, they saw, oh, okay, this isn't going away. We're going to support you in this mm-hmm. because you're you're going at it. But I'm, I'm beginning to wonder if there's some kind of correlation where every couple of well, generations you're going to have an artist.
1: <laughs> also, I feel like i worked with a handful of programmers. Not all of them, but I'd say the majority of them. Never really had a lot of respect for the art aspect of the process. It was always like, oh yeah, here's the program, but now we just need some art. So uh, I just felt like there's a little bit of just overall disrespect for art. And it probably goes the other way too. Artists are like, oh God, they're programmers. I know, I'm sure I've (laughs) said that before.
0: I'd have to... I've always respected it because I'm... I like computers a lot. Mm -hmm. What I respect is... The level of intensity and focus you need to code, because mm. I get that with art, it's and it's the same. I imagine it must be the same, if not similar, with coding. And it's... that's not really where my interest lies. So when I see people that can sit and do that, I'm like, that is impressive. That you're able to sit and do that, and you know what you're looking at.
1: My experience with scripting is that it's addicting in a mental illness kind of way <laughs> at least at least for me where it was like okay like i'm really engaged in a in an illustration i'm working on i don't want to stop working on it this is really great but with with scripting it was more like i want to make this work i'll make this work i just spent 20 hours and it didn't do anything it was the, those were those were the 20 wrong solutions this next one it's going to do it and if i if i stop now then i'll have, then i will walk away with the same thing I had two days ago. It's this. I almost felt trapped sometimes, where it was like a neurotic tendency of I have to solve it. I have to solve it. I have to solve it. But with mm-hmm. art, I don't feel that as much. It's more like I just really get into it and I start telling myself little stories of the stuff that I'm drawing and what do they do next? You know, what do they? Mm-hmm. What, what happened before this moment?
0: It, it's fun. It doesn't haunt you. The way that coding would, it's just in the back of your mind going, all right, why wasn't that working? Yeah. (laughs) But I feel like you need that kind of mindset, though, for certain types of jobs. Because if you didn't,
1: then then think,
0: (laughs) well, not only would it not get done, but that's where innovation comes from, too. It comes from that feeling of, I'm not satisfied with how this currently is, Mm -hmm. or this isn't working, or why do people do it this way? There's got to be another way. Let's try this way.
1: Something else I've noticed, too, is you talked about a lot of artists coming from, like, engineering families. They have a lot of things in common, especially the kind of stuff I do. It's it's very intricate in, like, how things are built and assembled. It's not in the same way that an engineer would do it, but in a lot of ways, you're you're thinking and you're problem-solving in a similar way, where I want, you know, I need to know how everything works. I need to break things down into steps. That makes sense. um, so I think there's probably more similarities than both sides would probably like to admit. I would
0: say so, because my family, they're very, especially my dad's side, just very analytical. A lot of people doing computer programming. Mm-hmm. A lot, You know, on my mom's side, a couple people that are like into science and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's actually a lot of fun talking with them. Like even talking, to, like I was talking to my uncle at Christmas over storyboarding and he said, how does it work? And I realized he was approaching it from a very scientific perspective. So Mm. he was asking actually really in-depth questions that nobody had ever asked me about. And I'm like, I like talking to you Mm -hmm. about this because you're really wanting to get into it. Whereas other people, you tell them, I do this. And they go, oh, that's nice. Yeah, That sounds fun. And it never gets beyond that.
1: Yeah. I remember my dad was building like uh, basically like a 3D engine. And so he was dealing with a lot of geometry and stuff. And I was explaining to him that, oh, well, when we we're drawing figures, we visualize everything as just like three blocks or spheres. And we're, but we're, we're turning them in our minds um, and plotting them out and then drawing everything on top of it. So it was kind of this, it was interesting, like mm-hmm. similarities, you know. Yeah, so he was able to see and go, oh, okay. I see where you're coming from with mm-hmm. this. Yeah.
0: Very good. So you mentioned your website. Where online can people find you and oh. find your work?
1: My website is com, and I have blogs and tumblers as well, and it's, they're all just Pat Markanet, and I think that they should all be interlinked.
0: All right, and we'll put all of that on the show notes. Well, Pat, it has been (laughs) wonderful talking with you today. Thank you for taking the time and sharing your story. I really appreciate it, and I know that listeners out there are really going to enjoy hearing what you have to say
1: thank you thanks for having me on it was, it was a blast hopefully i didn't <laughs> derail the conversation I, I have
0: to tell you i love tangents okay, some of yeah, my, we got on my some... favorite my favorite conversations with people is when you go on tangents because then you get to see like, how people are and how yeah. their mind works and that's really interesting so they're all staying in <laughs> all right. awesome and that concludes episode 14 interview with pat Marknett, part two. Thank you so much again to pat for coming on the show really appreciate it and you can check out all of pat's websites in the show notes as well as on www.theanimatedjourney.com and if you've enjoyed today's episode please leave a five-star review in itunes every review helps more and more people find out about the show and thank you so much to everyone who has left a review so far i really appreciate it and speaking of appreciation I want to give a shout out to Chris and Tiara over at the Animation Network podcast. In episode 52, they answered listeners' questions and they answered one of my questions that I had about freelancing and finding good freelance opportunities as well as making sure that you're finding legitimate businesses and clients to work with. So thank you very much for answering my question and for saying such nice things about me on your show. I really appreciate it. And when you're done listening to this podcast today, please go and check out the Animation Network podcast over in iTunes and subscribe. It's a really cool show. They're doing really cool things over there. For example, they just launched their Patreon campaign. So make sure to check out patreon.com or you can go directly to their website, theanimationnetwork.org, and click on support. And make sure to become a patron of their show and support them as well. And also, speaking of checking out brand new things, I'm really happy to announce that I have a new sponsor for the show, Loot Crate. Now some of you out there may be familiar with Loot Crate and you've already experienced the awesome goodness that is Loot Crate. But for those of you who are brand new to the service and are wondering, what is this wonderful thing that Angela's talking about? Loot Crate is a monthly subscription service offering the best in geek, gamer, and pop culture gear every single month. You guys, it is really awesome. Some of the products include limited edition t-shirts, hats, keychains, vinyl figures, comic books, and more. Every single crate comes with four to eight items every single month. And they partner with top companies to bring you exclusive curated collectibles. We're talking Marvel, Star Wars, Pop Vinyl, Nintendo, and so much more. And every single month is themed. For example, back in February, it was dead month. So they had Deadpool and The Walking Dead collectibles. And back in March, they had Versus Month. So they had the top rivalries and pop culture. We're talking Batman versus Superman, Punisher versus Daredevil. It's really cool stuff, you guys. So if you're into collectibles, if you're into cool hats, cool t-shirts, comic books, all of that you need to check out Loot Crate. And the way that you'll want to do it is by clicking on the banner ad on the right-hand side of the animatedjourney.com and signing up today so that you can get a crate full of awesomeness. And when you click on the affiliate link and subscribe to their service, they will send a little bit of money back to the show. And that'll help me keep all the lights on and keep everything up and running. So thank you, Loot Crate, for being the newest sponsor of the show. And thank you to everyone out there who will be supporting them along with our other affiliates, Amazon, Audible, and Blueberry Podcasting. And I also want to thank everyone who has donated to the show. If you would like to donate to the show, you can click on the PayPal button on the right-hand side. Every little bit helps. And I have to tell you guys, it has been so wonderful. Thank you so much for all of your donations, for helping to keep the show up and running. I really appreciate it so thank you for being such wonderful fans and thank you all for the wonderful emails and comments i've received about the show it means a lot to me i'm really glad that you're getting something great out of the show and i'm really glad that you appreciate the people who have come on the show to share their stories so thank you thank you guys for just being a really great audience it's awesome and if you want to find out more about the show you can check out the twitter page at Anim Journey and also Instagram at Anim Journey, as well as the Facebook page, www.facebook.com slash The Animated Journey. And if you want to see what I've been up to, you can check out all the drawings I've been doing for Mermaid over on Instagram at Sketchy underscore Soul. You can follow me on Twitter at Sketchy_Soul. You can check out my Tumblr, www.SketchySoul.tumblr.com. And you can check out my portfolio site, www.sketchysoul.com. So until next time, thank you everyone for listening. Be encouraged and have a great day, everybody.